Are you ready for the word? All right. Well, welcome once again to our service this morning. Today is the third week of Advent so far. In week one, we talked about hope. Tis the season for hope. Last Sunday, tis the season for peace. Jesus Christ being our Prince of Peace. Well, today's topic is that of joy. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 2 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read a portion of this uh, text, verses 11 through, or 8 through 11 of Luke chapter 2. Verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, which is kind of like the the phrase that angels use when appearing to people because everybody's afraid when they see an angel. Don't be afraid, do not be afraid, for I bring you, here it is, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the town of, of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So here we have... Uh, Luke saying to us and giving us the birth of Christ part of it and, and saying, hey, uh, I, I bring you, the angel says, good news of great joy, as, as recorded by Luke here. And, and I thought, talk about uh, tis the season for joy. Uh, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, the advent, the coming, the arrival is what the word advent means of the Messiah not only gives us hope and peace, but the birth of Jesus Christ was a, a joyous event as well, which tells me that Christmas time is also a time of joy. Joy. You know, joy to the world, the Lord is come. The birth of, of the Savior gives us reason to celebrate. For example, Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The heavenly hosts were praising God. The shepherds were glorifying and praising God. The wise men, when they saw the star, the Bible says they were overjoyed. When baby Jesus was presented in the temple, Simeon praised God for having seen his salvation in the Christ child. Even Anna the prophetess gave thanks for the child and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. If we go back a little bit more in our timeline in Luke chapter 1, if you want to turn back a chapter, Luke chapter 1, 39 through 41. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now immediately following the angelic visit, Mary made her way to Elizabeth's house in the hill country of Judea. The journey from Nazareth to Zechariah's house was about 80 miles or a four or five day journey. The exact timing of this visit is left uncertain by the rather vague phrase in those days or at that time. So we're not sure when it was when Mary went to go visit her cousin. But we come again to verses 40 and 41. Upon entering the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary greeted her cousin in what can be assumed a typical uh, ancient Near Eastern manner. 
Upon hearing Mary's greeting then, the baby, it says, as I read to you, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Now, that miraculous event really is very similar in the Old Testament to, to a story of, of the leaping of the twins, Jacob and Esau, in Rachel's womb, which symbolized the conflict that would occur ultimately between their peoples in the years to come, Genesis 25 and on. In addition to the babies leaping, though, Elizabeth, it says in our text, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Like Deborah, who gave a spirit-inspired utterance over Jael in Judges 5.24, Elizabeth responded to this prophetic inspiration by prophesying over Mary. And it says this in Luke 1.42-45, In a loud voice, she, Elizabeth, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored, she says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And then in verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb, she says, leaped for joy. Think about that. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And so in that scene, we see Mary's unborn son is thus recognized as the Lord, and Mary becomes a model of faith. Now, something to think about for all of those who support a woman's right to choose versus a baby's right to life. Think about it. A fetus was the first to rejoice at the news of Jesus. Let that sink in. A fetus was the first to rejoice at the news of Jesus. Elizabeth said, The baby in my womb leaped for joy. An unborn baby, are you getting this? An unborn baby leaped for joy, and yet today we have politicians and others today giving their approval, literally applauding the death sentence for unborn babies. It's like, God, help us. God, forgive us. Church, we celebrate life. God's a giver of life. We believe the Bible teaches that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that God knows us while we are in our mother's womb. The Word, Jeremiah 1, 5 through 7, Psalm 139, verse 13. Think about it. Christ, the eternal God, became a human being. That still blows me away. That humanity and deity were united together in him. We have in John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and full of truth. And so I say with that this morning we are to rejoice because Emmanuel has come. God with us. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, the first advent, his coming, his arrival, was truly a joyous occasion. And his second advent, his second coming, will also be a joyous occasion if, if you are ready. 
See, if you're a Christian this morning, let me ask you, do you enjoy living for God? Do you enjoy being a Christ follower? I mean, is the joy of the Lord your strength? Do you enjoy being in His presence? Because the Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. At His right hand, pleasures forevermore. Now, Jesus said this in John 10, 10. We talked about this briefly last Wednesday night, talking about how Jesus Christ has power over demons. But he says, the thief comes, but to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The King James says, to have it more abundantly. The Amplified Bible reads, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. In other words, there ought to be something within you and something within me that causes the joy of God to be our strength, that we can be a people who rejoice, who celebrate the goodness of God, that we can be a people who who know how to worship God in spirit and truth, all because of what he's done. Amen. Joy. Joy simply means pleasure, delight, exhilaration of spirit. Excitement caused by hope. The word rejoice means joy in the highest degree, to be intensely glad. The Hebrew word for rejoice originally means to dance for joy. It's a very strong expression uh, for the liveliest exaltation of our God. It literally means, the Hebrew for rejoice literally means to spin around under violent emotion. Who says there's no place for emotion in the house of God? We're the people of God. God gave us emotions, amen? And we ought to be a people, not who are emotionally driven, but that, that, that have been given emotions saying, God, it's okay to be excited about you. Amen? The joy of God. Romans 12, 11 says, Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. The word rendered fervent here means, it means to boil, to be ardent in boiling over with enthusiasm. To lack this is what the Bible calls being, being lukewarm or, or being cold, being in a cold condition. Now, how many, how many Christians do you know today who are exhilarated, who are excited, who are intensely glad, who are fully contented, who are experiencing joy in the highest degree. Now, Christians, as I said, ought to be excited about God because of what God has done, because of what God is doing, and because of what God is going to do. And it ought to reflect in our countenance. David boldly declared this, This is Psalm 42, verse 11. God is the health of my countenance. God is the health of my countenance. He repeats the same thing in Psalm 43, verse 5. Now, in the original Hebrew language, the proper rendering of both these verses, Psalm 42, 11 and 43, verse 5, is really this. God is the salvation of my face. God is the salvation of my face. What is David saying here? He's saying, you know something? Your face is a billboard that advertises what's going on in your heart. 
Now, all the joy, all the turmoil, whatever's inside of you is reflected ultimately in your countenance. When I speak of countenance, I'm talking about facial expression. I'm talking about body language as well as tone of voice. So when David is saying, God is the health of my countenance, he is really saying, God is the source of my joy. And it ought to show. And it ought to show. I like this quote from Billy Sunday. I've used it before. He says, the trouble with many men is they have got just enough religion to make them miserable. If there is not joy in religion, you've got a leak in your religion. For those of you that knew of Billy Sunday, you can almost picture him saying that. See, I don't think there is anything as tragic as being alive and not enjoying the life that God has given us. I mean, life, honestly, is to be enjoyed, not just endured. Amen? Now, I know life can be hard. And I know for all of us, there's always stuff going on. But honestly, we can still experience joy in the journey, in in light of whatever's going on. I remind you what the Apostle Paul said, 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But then verse 6 says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the, by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me. And this is what Paul says. So that my joy, so that my joy was greater than ever. Verse 4 says, and I read 5 through 7. Paul says, in all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. In all of our troubles. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. No one can be happy all the time. I agree. But I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. The two are not the same. Happiness is conditioned by and often uh, depend upon what is happening to me. In other words, happiness depends on what happens. That's why it's called happiness. If your happenstances are good, then you're happy. If people treat me good, if things are going well in my life, then I'm happy. If my circumstances aren't favorable, then though I'm unhappy. See, happiness comes from without or on the outside, but joy does not depend on happenstance or on circumstance. Joy comes from the Lord, and He does not change. What did Paul say? But God who comforts us. Joy comes from within, from the inside. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 11, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. The joy of God. Now, according to Jesus, a promise of constant joy awaits us. According to the Bible, we can experience joy even in the midst of trials and troubles. Let me give you some scriptures. 
Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. We have Acts 4, uh, 5, 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, that religious body of leaders, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to su- of suffering disgrace for his name, for the name. In other words, they were joyful in in rejoicing in suffering. I mean, James says, joy in trials. Paul says, joyful in tribulation. Do you see the connection here? Even Jesus had joy when facing the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Are we beginning to see now how hope and how peace and how joy all have as their foundation you and me keeping our eyes on Jesus? I mean, think about it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus uh, Hebrew says, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We looked at two weeks ago, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then last week, and he will be their peace. Or let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Peace, Jesus says, I leave with you my peace I give to you. Or Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. And then today, that my joy, Jesus says, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, joy is simply the enjoyment of God. The enjoyment of the good things that God has blessed you and me with. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Why? And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight means take joy. Enjoy, enjoy yourself, delight in the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches. Friends, if this economy has taught us anything in the last three and a half years, it's not to trust in uncertain riches. But, he goes on, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to do what? To enjoy. In other words, the NIV says, God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. What does that tell me? It tells me that you and I, as as believers, as followers of Christ, ought to enjoy the life that God has blessed us with. Therefore, when you wake up in the morning, say, God, thank you. For your goodness. God, thank you for your blessing in my life. uh, Embrace his joy as your strength throughout the day. Remember, whoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he, Proverbs 16, 20. Enjoy the life that God gives you. Proverbs 17, 22 says this. A cheerful disposition is good for your health. A cheerful disposition is good for your health. 
gloom and doom leave you bone tired. That's from the Message Paraphrase Bible. The King James Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And the NIV says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. Now, the Mayo Clinic reported that laughter aids breathing by disrupting your normal respiratory, your respiration pattern and increasing your breathing rate. Hearty laughter is also cardioprotective. It's good for your heart. It increases circulation and improves the delivery of oxygen and nutrients to, uh, to the tissues throughout your body. Laughter stimulates your immune system. It's a natural stress reliever by, by decreasing your stress hormones. It's also, laughter is also good if you have allergies, it's good for your allergies. Furthermore, it's also been proven that people who laugh live longer. I love to laugh. I love to make people laugh. Now, I know that my sense of humor is very dry to most people, but it is what it is. But I love to laugh. When it's on, we record America's Funniest Videos. Been doing it for 20-some years and love to watch those things because people do the stupidest things and it's caught on video. I watch, I, I, watch, I shouldn't admit this, but I like to watch funny videos and stupid things that people do and it's like, not doing that. Okay, I'm, I, I wanted to go, uh, Jill wants to go uh, zip lining. It's like, I'll watch you, you know, goodbye. <laughs> I, I would like to do the, the skydiving thing, but then, then you're trusting the dude who, who actually you know, puts the parachute together. Did he do his job that day? I don't know. I've never wanted to do the bungee jumping. That like, makes no sense to me because my bungee cords that I have kind of wear out and they stop stretching. And, and, uh, but, but I love to laugh. And, I, and I, I showed you that we showed you the, the, the Tim Hawkins video just for that purpose this morning. Here's the deal. A child laughs about 400 times a day on the average, while an adult laughs only 15 times per day. I, I think we're missing in adults. We, be, we need to be a little more kid-like in, in, the, in the laughter part, you know. But the Bible has a lot to say about joy. Jesus spoke of his own joy and the, and the joy he had come to bring to others, John 17, 13, so that my joy may, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them, John 16, 22, and you will rejoice and no one, and no one will take away your joy. Even because of his victory and the promise of his abiding presence, the disciples could rejoice even after the Lord's ascension. I mean, Luke 24, 52, then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem after they witnessed him going up in the clouds. They worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem, it says, with great joy, with great joy. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see how joy characterized really those who followed Jesus Christ in the early church. I mean, after Philip preached in Samaria, the people believed, the Bible says, and there was great joy in that city. Would to God that, that God comes down and God reveals himself to people so there can be great joy in our cities, amen? There'd be great joy in Mesa, great joy in Gilbert, great joy in Chandler and Tempe and Apache Junction in Gold Canyon, all the communities around us. May God visit his people. May God once again pour out a spirit of joy with, with people. Amen? We have in, in Acts 13.52, after the work of Paul and Barnabas in Antioch of Pisidia, the disciples, it says, were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. 
The two go together. Acts 14, 17, and he, God, fills your hearts with joy. Paul and Barnabas reported such conversions to other believers in Acts chapter 15, verse 3. It says, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. After the conversion of the Philippian jailer, it says he rejoiced, believing in God and all his household. Matter of fact, the Bible says there is joy in heaven over one sinner that repents and comes to Christ. There is a party, there is joy in heaven over one person who comes to God. Now the word of God commands us in Psalm 100, 1 and 2, make a joyful noise Unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Not sadness, gladness. Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. Psalm 68, verse 3. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Or Psalm 5, 11 and 12. Let all those who put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. And then John 14, 28. Jesus said to his disciples, If you loved me, you would rejoice. If you loved me, you would rejoice. Now, it's been my observation as a Christian for over 40 years now that joy in the Christian life is in direct proportion as believers, Christ followers, walk with the Lord. In other words, Philippians 4.4, we can rejoice in the Lord, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Joy is a fruit of a spirit-filled life, spirit-led life, fruit of the spirit. It can be, it can be manifest or grown in your life. First uh, Thessalonians five sixteen. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. In Galatians 5, uh, four fifteen, Paul asked the church in at Galatia, church. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. What has happened to all your joy? What has happened to all your joy? Now, one of the saddest things to me, honestly, in the body of Christ today is the anemic spiritual lives of many of God's people. Now, we find in scriptures that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And yet we find so many within the church who are living what I call anemic lives. There's no joy. There's, there's no smile on their face. They have no song in their heart. They've lost hope. They, they have no peace. There's no spring in their step. No enthusiasm. No spiritual passion. No anticipation of better things yet to come. I can tell you, Howard had that. Howard was looking forward to being with Jesus. As I said earlier, he's, he's rejoicing more right now than he's ever in this life. Well, let me this morning be a helper of your joy. The Apostle Paul said we are helpers of your joy in 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. So let me give you a few reasons that we ought to be joyful. First one is this. Number one is forgiveness. And if there was not a, not a second one, this would be it. You know, uh, We have been offered, church, the greatest gift ever by the greatest gift giver. The gift of eternal life. 
And, and the gift of eternal life that God would do that ought to cause us to say, God, thank you so much. I mean, it ought to have joy rise up within us. I mean, rejoicing uh, uh, to, the, to, the, to the nth degree. I mean, the greatest gift the world has ever known was not under a tree, but, but one day rather hung on a tree for your sins and for my sins. Romans 6.23, we know the verse, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or John 3.16 that we'll look at next week. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Think about that. If you're a Christian this morning, do you realize that Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins. Your sins have been forgiven. He has removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. He has buried them in the depth of the sea. Hallelujah. I mean, church, His grace still amazes me. I still can't get over that God would save a sinner such as me. As Paul says, the worst of sinners, that God would do that for you and for me and for this world. Friends, that ought to cause us to be excited and enthusiastic about everything God has done for us. Amen. You've been given a gift beyond description. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. A gift beyond description. Psalm 32, 1 and 2 Blessed is He whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Glory to God. We are blessed because of what He's done. Blessed is the man whose sins the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. As the angel said to Joseph in a dream, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and she will give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. From our text this morning, good news of great joy will be for all the people. Why? What's the reason? Because a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior, that means we need to be saved from our sins. I know it's church talk, but it's Bible talk, all right? The, the Savior has been born to you. Romans 5.11, we also rejoice our joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation, the atonement because of what he's done. Luke 10.20, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice, here it is, that your names are written in heaven. That's why I said... Reason number one, if there is more, no more reasons, that alone is enough to say, God, thank you so much for what you've done. I mean, rejoice because we've been redeemed from the penalty of sin. We've been redeemed from the power of sin. Rejoice for the blood of Jesus still washes white as snow. Rejoice because we are more than conquerors. Rejoice because we are the head and not the tail. Rejoice because we are going to heaven. Glory to God. See, I have the gift of eternal life. I have that blessed hope. 
Now, how many of you know without a doubt this morning that you're saved, that you're being sanctified, and that you're on your way to heaven? Rejoice. Amen? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance to begin with. It's his kindness. I'm forgiven. And I say, tis the season for joy. Number one. Number two is that of goodness. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. The goodness of God, the graciousness of God. Psalm 101 through 5, Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Verse 5, it gives us the why. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. See, God is good and is the foundation or the source of our joy. Psalm 4, 7, you have filled, you have filled my heart with greater joy. Psalm 5.11, let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Psalm 32.11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous sing all you are upright in heart. Psalm 16 verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Acts 14.17, for he, God, fills your hearts with joy. Nehemiah 8.10, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. 1 Peter 1.8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. It's called joy unspeakable and full of glory. Goodness of God. The final reason, as I help your joy this morning, is that of heaven. Joy characterizes the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom, Jesus said, that is not of this world. One day, one day, we're all wanting to hear those words that I believe Howard heard last night. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Howard, enter into the joy of the Lord. Insert your name there. We all want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, by the way, enter into his joy. A joy that characterizes his kingdom. A joy that this world doesn't understand. Because you Christians, you're just the craziest bunch on earth. I don't know why you believe. You need that religion stuff as a crutch. No. Once you've met Jesus, once you've tasted and seen the Lord is good, you can't go back to the world. Amen? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said once again, hey, guys, remember this. 
It's John 16, 22. He says, no one, no one will take away your joy. Friends, we belong to another kingdom. And his name is Jesus. A kingdom characterized by joy. This life as we know it is very temporary. Howard just turned 85 years old. His son told me yesterday, just, just like a week ago or so. 85. I don't know if God blesses you with 80, 90, some years, Betty, Sid, or 100 years or more. But even at 100 years, and no one's there yet in this room, that's minuscule, it's small in comparison to eternity. I like to equate it as a grain of sand. Just one little grain of sand is your life. Compare that 100 years, that one grain of sand to 100 years, to all the sand in this world, all the beaches everywhere. So numerous you can't count them all. Count all the grains of sand. Eternity is forever and ever and ever and ever. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. And He will quiet you with His love. And then it says, And He will rejoice, He will rejoice over you with singing. That blows me away. That God rejoices over me and sings over me. Wow. You talk about joy characterizing the kingdom of heaven. And so I ask you in closing this morning once again, do you enjoy the life that God has given you? Not saying it's going to be easy because it's not. There's going to be setbacks, there's going to be sufferings, there's going to be heartaches. It's called life. We live in a fallen world. But do you enjoy the life that God has given you? Is there joy in your heart? Joy is speakable, full of glory. I want to close with a final passage of Scripture that is familiar to most of us. And it's Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, if you want to turn there, David was a man after God's own heart. And yet David sinned grievously with Bathsheba and against her husband Uriah. He sinned ultimately against his God. David broke several of God's Ten Commandments. And when David disobeyed God, when he sinned, he lost the joy of the Lord which tells me that sin, sin will steal your joy. And that joy could only be restored by true repentance. And so David prays this in Psalm 51, 2 and 3. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. We jump down to verse 7. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. David, no doubt, wrote this psalm after he repented and Nathan had declared God's forgiveness to him. David also prayed to regain what he lost. In Psalm 51, verse 12, key verse of Psalm 51, he says, God, restore unto me the joy, the joy of thy salvation. God, restore that joy. I miss that. I miss that. I believe that's what hangs over many Christians today. See, it's impossible 
to maintain the joy of the Lord honestly if sin is present because sin separates us from God. No wonder David would cry out to God in repentance, God restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, I miss that. A boy told his mom, Mom, I think I'm backslidden. Well, why do you say that? His mother asked. And he said, because God doesn't talk back to me anymore. You know, those convictions, those little things, little checks in your spirit. At least David had enough sense to say, God, forgive me. Wash me, cleanse me. And by the way, God, restore unto me the joy. The joy of knowing you. The joy of your salvation. Psalm 85, verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? I made several trips in the 1990s from Iowa to Pensacola, Florida for the Pensacola Revival. And I saw God do amazing things in that revival. Garbage cans full of drug paraphernalia, even guns. The sheriff's department dropping off. People they picked up and said, before we take you in, I want you to go to this revival because if you can get saved, God's going to transform your life and you won't be committing these crimes again. Revival has a way of bringing people back to God and in right relationship with God. Will you not revive us that your people may rejoice may rejoice in you? See, when God does a work in your life and when you understand his forgiveness, when you understand his goodness, when you look forward to his second advent, whew, joy. The joy of God. Friends, you can and you will experience the joy of the Lord if you are in fellowship with the Lord of joy. Isaiah 12, verse 3, Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Joy ought to characterize the people of God. Let's all stand on our feet. We'll close in prayer this morning.